Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode three of Pod Like a Raven. Another Ravens victory, 2-0. and I'm joined in the studio by Tim Horsey. Tim, how you feeling? Oh, incredible. Perfect start to the season. You got an 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals, an 0-2 Pittsburgh Steelers without a quarterback. I'm sure we'll get to that as well. Maybe an 0-2 Cleveland Browns. At the time of recording, the game hasn't kicked off yet. I, I don't think their uh, Trevor Simeon is going to beat them tonight. But still, either way, sitting on top of the AFC North after another uh, brilliant performance from the offense, especially. Uh, so, yeah, I'm feeling great. And joining us from the West Coast studio, Jace T. Evans. Jace, how's it going? Doing great, guys. Another, like Tim said, great Ravens victory. Exciting Ravens victory. I've uh, got the stomach churning, the heart beating. Thrilling stuff. Yeah, we were back to good old Ravens football, right? Like chewing off all your fingernails, stress-eating potato chips. It was it was the whole gambit of emotions there. 23-17 Baltimore winning at home in the home opener. Ravens started well, had a nice lead, uh, and then had that classic third-quarter lull. <laughs> Let Arizona get back into the game. We were texting. We were all getting more and more nervous. Uh, I was feeling worse and worse about my 13.5 uh, point, point spread pick. 
What did we like from this game? First of all, before we do that, and Jace, I'll let you start, but I just want to say, we weren't texting. Jace was texting us <laughs> all of his emotions as this was going on. I was at a, a family party watching the game, and we basically could have put the stream up on a second screen and just watched Jace melt down against the Arizona Cardinals. I think it was like early third quarter, and he goes, they're going to do this, aren't they? They're going to blow this. It's classic Jace. It's something that we haven't gotten. This is back in the Ravens wrap-up days back in college when we did this show, where it was at the first quarter, Jace was out. And he said, no, they, they're totally going to lose this game. So that's one of the things I really enjoyed. But the Ravens yet yet to have yet to be trailing at all in the season, and Jace Evans already out on the team <laughs> for the season. Until you sent that last text, Jace, but I'm going to have radio silence until this game ends. I did. I shut it down. Uh, <laughs> shut down the texting. I just nervously held a pillow as I sat cross-legged on my bed, staring at my computer. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know these games—they bring it out of me. <laughs> but what we loved, and we're going to get into it, Lamar Jackson—the the arrival of Lamar Jackson. I mean, this game almost more impressive than Week One, just because of the elevated level of competition. And he started to make plays when the team needed him. So what did you guys like from Lamar in week two? I mean, let's just go right to the end. That throw at the end, the thir- uh, third and 11, I believe it was, and to have the, and this is a family show, Stones, to make that throw with very good coverage on Marquise Brown. Hollywood, the rookie, showing up at a big moment too, um, being able to catch that ball on the sidelines, hold on to it. I've, I've watched it over and over and over and over again. Uh, just to help me fight the Sunday scaries, you can see it on Twitter at Pod Like a Raven as well. If you'd like, um, the, the defender and, and apologies, I can't remember who was covering him at the moment. Is swatting at the ball. He was strong enough to hold on to it. Kept his composure. Got a couple feet in as well. I mean, that's the type of throw that in the preseason and the whole storyline with this Ravens team was Lamar going to be able to do that? And he showed that in spades in this game that he came up in every moment that they needed him. And after the game, uh, Jeff Zerebeck from The Sun was reporting that even with all of that, the only thing he was talking about is the points that he left on the field, the throws that he missed, the things that he was very upset with. And he went in and met with Mark Ingram, and they talked about the stuff that they could do better and improve um, as the season goes on. So that was something that I was very, very impressed with. Yeah, that throw was sensational. And uh, I think it speaks to him that I, I kind of had some faith in it. I saw it was as it was heading towards Marquise. I was like, I think this is going to drop in. And it was absolute dime. Dilfer's dimes, probably. I don't know if he still does those. I don't think he's with ESPN anymore. But absolute trend Dilfer dime, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, he was just sensational the whole game. I read he was the first player in NFL history, at least in the regular season, with 270 passing yards and 120 rushing yards in the same game. And that was something on the running side we didn't see at all in week one because he didn't have to, really, against the Dolphins and because uh, they might be real bad. Um, but uh, with uh, Jackson, he, just, he make, just made plays constantly throughout the game. And he was the focal point of the offense on Sunday, and he made the plays that counted. Yeah, with, the, with those runs, too, you talk about it. There was some design stuff, but a lot of it was – you know, last year we would see he might look at his first option for about a second and a half and take off when he didn't think he could make that throw. This uh, In this game, you saw him kind of run through a couple progr- progressions and use his feet 
when when he needed to or when he felt like it was a viable option rather than getting the ball downfield. He ended up combined between quarterbacks and running backs in week two without the Monday night game being played. He's sitting third right now in total yards. 16 carries, 120 yards, only behind Dalvin Cook and Matt Breida from San Francisco. Um, just, just using his wheels when he needs to, and that is an incredibly important facet of this offense that we're going to need going forward. Yeah, I mean, the progression from, from one year to the next is astounding. I mean, he made those several bullet throws in traffic in between three defenders, a lot of them to the tight ends. He's got made some touch passes uh, that we didn't really see a lot of uh, last season. Then the running, as you guys have both mentioned, turning a lot of second and tens into first downs when the team last year, or even other team, like the Flacco years, second and ten very often became third and seven on a pass. Uh <laughs> But Lamar very easily, multiple times, turned those second and tens into first downs or third and twos, third and ones. Uh, the decision-making was great. He has zero turnovers yep. through two games, which I don't think anybody would have expected. And then for this that last play you guys are talking about to Hollywood Brown, first of all, the coaching staff making that play call is extremely indicative of how confident they are in him uh, and how he's looked, even outside of the games, obviously, but how he's looked uh, in the offseason and when, what they know that he can do in those situations. And even more so, in the first quarter, he th- overthrew uh, Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. on, a f- on the fourth and three. And it was not the same route, but it was a throw to the sideline where uh, Marquise was open and he missed him by three or four yards. I was a little concerned. Uh, first quarter, missing a wide-open receiver, but... Still had the ability, had the confidence to try that throw again, and he made it when it mattered. So I was really impressed by that. Yeah, you talk about some of the stuff, if we're going to get to Hollywood, and like their instant connection already, it seems like. And you saw after the game, they're both posting on Instagram. They, they're driving to and from the games together and stuff, which is great to see. Uh, Marquise targeted 13 times, the most by any Raven. Eight receptions, 86 yards. And they used him in a lot of variety of different ways. He's a deep threat. He's a guy that... They can throw a screen to, and he's, he seems like he's always going to make that first guy miss and pick up at least three, four yards on that play, which is invaluable for this Ravens offense when they need to you know, nullify a blitz or something like that. And I just I love the connection these guys have already. And another guy, oh, and another guy that I, I want to bring up too, and the guy who caught the first touchdown pass, Mark Andrews, which was all set up by how effective Hollywood Brown was in the first drive, where he became a factor to the Arizona Cardinals immediately, and then they use him on that dummy sweep, and Mark Andrews is wide open. And let me just say, I mean, the, the, the connection between Hollywood and Lamar is obvious. It's a rookie. You have to worry about that a little bit. They always do the you know, 12, 13 games, might tail off towards the end of the season. Mark Andrews is that dude. He is the the just the comfort zone for Lamar Jackson, the guy that I feel like if he's not going to use his wheels and he's in trouble, he's looking for 89 and those big mitts to get him at least six, seven yards and move those chains. He, he seemed to have every big third down conversion, aside from pretty much Marquise's last big catch at the end there. It was Mark Andrews just with big catches over the middle, carrying guys, real fun to watch. <laughs> And he has the hands. I mean, he's, he's got security mitts, blanket baby. is such an over, like a cliche, uh, you know, for your go-to receiver. But he makes every play. When the ball is remotely close to him, it's, it's caught. And then dragging the defenders for several yards is, is something else that we like. Going back to Marquise Brown, I tweeted this through the Pod Like a Raven account. The toe-touch catch that he had on the sidelines in the first quarter is not a catch 
First of all, not a lot of Ravens receivers <laughs> make those catches back in other years, but rookie, no rookie Raven receiver, rookie Raven receiver, I'm not going to say that more than, more than twice, <laughs> yeah. has, has ever been able to make that type of catch, especially that early in their career. I am all in on Marquise Brown. And then talking back to the tight ends, using them early, uh, like you said, using Marquise early then helped with the play to Andrews. Using the tight ends early then opened up other plays to, to Marquise Brown where one of the schemes that I loved was they have the tight ends run these like 10-yard curls and then they have Marquise sort of loop around behind them. And you draw on the linebackers on the curl and then you have Marquise Brown behind them. That's going to work all year. And if you add in the run-pass option to that, I don't know how you stop that. I mean, there's three different things you can do on one play that they're going to use over and over again. It's a great point you make, too, because you you feel like, and again, and we'll get to the level of competition that they face in these first two weeks, but you feel like this offense just has layers and layers and layers to build on that we haven't even seen yet from Greg Roman. And it's stuff that as Lamar and as Marquise and Mark Andrews, remember, all these guys are incredibly young right now. All these guys we're talking about are not old wily vets. They're going to need some time, and they've, they've been together all camp, obviously, outside of Hollywood who has been hurt and hasn't been to be able to participate a lot, which you know makes all of this even more remarkable, I would say. They're going to be able to add in that RPO that you're talking about with these some of these different combinations. And... I tell you what, it's going to make this offense against everyone that's not an absolute elite defense. I think it's going to make them scary, which have we ever said that about the Ravens offense? I mean, I am and and we can talk about this a little bit later, too. For the first time in my life as a Baltimore Ravens fan, I am more comfortable when the offense is on the field. My entire life, I've always been okay. well. We got them backed up to the 20. They might get a first down or two, but then they'll just punt it. We're good. And it's like you can almost take a breather. And then you have to sit there and watch Joe Flacco dink and dunk. You know, like you said, it's first and 10. They get a yard and a half on a run right up the middle. Then it's just a little quick slant route that goes for about another two yards, and it's third and seven, and he throws it away. And it's just like, okay, here's another punt. For the first time in my life, I'm just, I feel, I'm excited to watch this offense. I'm not nervous, I'm not spiteful, or any other aggressive word you can think of, but, but I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I'm more comfortable as a Ravens fan in Lamar's hands, if that makes any sense. Yeah, we talked kind of our first show about who is the Ravens' best player, and I think the answer is somewhat definitively Lamar Jackson at this point. His, the whole team, at least certainly on offense, is kind of on his shoulders, and this kind of might get into a negative a little, but... He had 120 rushing yards. We only rushed, the Ravens only rushed for 62 yards outside of Lamar Jackson. And we talked about um, the connection between Marquise Brown and the tight ends. Um, But wide receivers, not named Hollywood Brown, caught two catches for 16 yards. Um, And so that puts a lot on Lamar Jackson's shoulder to make plays over the middle to those tight ends uh, running. And he was up to the challenge uh, Sunday. And that was incredible. It was like you said, Antonio, I think in some ways a better performance than we saw in week one because he, there were the pressure moments. He had to do a lot more for the team to win, and he did it. And it was incredible to watch. And, yeah, to echo just Tim's point, uh, the Ravens' most exciting player is their quarterback, which has never been true before. <laughs> so I, I want to pivot then a little bit to the defense. Tim, you sort of opened, opened it up, so let's go there. The run, de- run defense – 
stout throughout the game. Uh, David Johnson pretty much taken out of the game. I mean, he was banged up a little bit, I think, in the second quarter, but he came back. He had seven carries for 14 yards. Arizona, as a team, had 20 rushing yards. Uh, but the other aspect of the defense did, didn't look as good. Uh, a lot of big plays, a lot of defensive lapses or missed assignments. Are we worried about this secondary now with two guys out against a rookie quarterback? I mean, they got burned three or four times. Are we worried when they maybe play the Chiefs next week on the road? I was going to say, uh, next week is the reigning NFL MVP coming at you in Patrick Mahomes. I'm incredibly worried. And guess what? Arizona didn't need to run the ball because they have one of the greatest wide receivers of all time who the Ravens just didn't decide to cover in Larry Fitzgerald. Five receptions for 104 yards, a long of a 54-yard reception. He was targeted 11 times. Christian Kirk, uh, the second-year man out of A&M, six receptions, 114 yards. Keyshawn Johnson, not that one. I just want to throw that out there because I love that name. K-E-E, capital S-E-A-N, Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, He had a 31-yard reception. Even Max Williams got involved. The guy who couldn't do squat with the Baltimore Ravens is now in Arizona. Um, Look, I think Kyler Murray is going to be good in this league. I, I believe in Kyler Murray, especially after what I saw. But a lot of that came down to, like you said, Antonio, in the defensive backfield, what we considered in the preseason arguably the strongest part of this team outside of Justin Tucker, they were atrocious. They were atrocious on Sunday, and it's something that is incredibly concerning moving forward. Yeah, the, so I did see the Ravens now 16-2 and against rookie QBs at home. Uh, great stat. But Kyler Murray cleared 340 yards passing. Concern, for sure. Um And I think, and we were texting a little bit about this, it seems like other teams, and especially since Jimmy Smith went down, are just avoiding Marlon Humphrey, just avoiding uh, Earl Thomas. I was kind of surprised how little we heard Earl Thomas's name yesterday, and I don't think it's because he wasn't making plays. I think he was just getting so avoided that they were just going to wherever he wasn't. And it is a concern, and you have to hope that the guys, you know, not named... Uh, Marlon Humphrey step up. Yeah, that's a great point about Earl Thomas, Chase. He really, I, you didn't really hear his name very often, and I do think it was a case of throwing away from him and maybe throwing to Tim's favorite Raven, <laughs> Brandon Carr. Tim, con- concerns about about Carr moving do I, forward? Do I have to? <laughs> you look so uh, You look at the... St- <laughs> I, Shout out to a good friend of mine, Garrett Smith, who made an incredibly great point that we've never had a good car on the Ravens. And I can only think back to Chris Carr. I couldn't think of any other car. That could have been a future random Raven. I mean, I might throw that one in the back just to shout him out. Chris Carr might be down the line as a random Raven. If you look at the stat sheet here, oh, wow, Brandon Carr had seven tackles. He led the team in tackles. That's because they kept kept throwing to him the entire game, and he he just couldn't cover anybody. I, I... I was very concerned when when Tavon Young went down and this vaunted secondary has to bring back Brandon Carr as a key part of this offense, or excuse me, defense, when you're going to have to have at least three cornerbacks on the field against a lot of NFL teams for the majority of the time. It's, it's such a passing league now. He is simply not good enough. And when you have, as Jace pointed out, it's almost a negative that Marlon Humphrey is so good because that he's going to blanket one guy and they're just going to throw to the other guy. It reminds me of like when Chris McAllister was very, very good for the Ravens, 
but they had gotten rid of Dwayne Starks, and they didn't really have a second guy. Like, Gary Baxter, another random Raven for the future, was on, was on that other side, and he constantly was targeted because nobody could get past McAllister. And then they changed the pass interference rules, and his career was over. But I, I, I'm incredibly concerned about Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, watching this tape and going, yeah, 24 over there. We're going to eat him alive all game. And there's nothing really outside of trading for Jalen Ramsey, maybe, that the Ravens can do about it. And, yeah, I'm absolutely concerned. And, yeah, you're going to hear me. I will guarantee there's going to be multiple times this season on this podcast I am going to just eviscerate Carr because there's well, it's just it's so frustrating and, to and watch. the problem yesterday, too, was – and I think part of this – and we've talked about this before in person and in the past, but – Having grown up with Ed Reed in that defensive backfield, I think we're so used to a guy coming through to just save the day. And there's Ed Reed's probably the greatest safety of all time for a reason. Uh, you know, uh, it's, we don't have a playmaker of his level back there. And this is kind of the thing that happens because I thought the pass rush was actually pretty good, too. It was more like they got after Murray, and really why they won the game down the stretch is they sacked him in early downs and they were kind of last two possessions and were able to run out the, uh, get the ball back and run out the clock but he was just throwing some rainbows up there that just he, the corners and dbs just were not making plays on and you're like how is that caught <laughs> that should yeah be we a need catch. we need to talk about this maybe i'm you know with all my nfl experience playing experience <laughs> those throws i think those should be interceptions i don't understand how our defensive backs aren't turning in time to see this ball uh, Brandon Carr, that happened to him a few times, but other guys as well. Is this, I mean, is this going to be film? Can you review this in the film room and make adjustments to this? Earl Thomas, call out the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Say that you see the ball. Sure, that's a great point. There's a lot of, like, the armchair quarterback thing of, like, you're, I'm sitting, I was sitting at a party with, I don't know, 10 to 12 people watching a game, and everybody's just like, just turn around. <laughs> right. Just look at it. He's throwing, and some of these throws, don't get me wrong, he had some good throws in this game, and he hit some guys, a lot of them wide open, as we've mentioned. But there were some that were ducks that at least, I'm not asking for an interception on every one of them, but get in front of it, swat it down. There were some that were just basically box-out plays, like you were going for a rebound in basketball, and our guys were aloof to it. They just did, they didn't want to react to the ball and do their job, and it's something that, yeah, I don't know if you can make adjustments to, but I tell you what, Mahomes is going to see that. We're talking about next week, and obviously we'll do a full breakdown later in the show. But Mahomes is going to see that and say, I can take a few more risks with this team. Like, I can throw a ball up and trust my guys to get it because the, the Ravens' defensive backs just seem like they don't want to. Yeah, I, to echo Jace's point earlier, the pass rush did as well as we Absolutely. could have expected. They Absolutely. did a great job of flushing Murray out of the pocket, and that's where a lot of those throws came from. Boy, they better do that to Mahomes, <laughs> too, because Mahomes makes those throws, except they're not floaters. They're back foot lasers. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure this out. And Mahomes has an offensive line that isn't Swiss cheese, <laughs> like the Arizona Cardinals, which, again, and and I, I, can, I can hear people already saying, well, you guys haven't really mentioned this enough yet. We are playing... Might be the worst team in NFL history in the Miami Dolphins. And then the worst team in the NFL last year in the Arizona Cardinals. So you always got to take these results with a grain of salt. And then obviously next week is the huge test against Kansas City. But I really think that this pass rush 
has been quite impressive. And it's something that, you know, Pernell McPhee, as we joked about on episode one, if you didn't hear that, go back and listen. He didn't have a sack last year. And I think that he's actually been a decent force rushing thought, the passer yeah, so in far. both of these games. Yeah. Um, and, and and with a guy like Murray and a guy like Mahomes and, you know, when teams play us, a guy like Jackson, you're not going to bring him down all the time. But you got to fluster him. Also, and we talked about this last week, just a shout-out to the bank. Um, there was a there was a quote from Lamar, or it's not Lamar, excuse me, Kyler Murray. On the last two drives, they asked him what happened because the, the Cardinals offense kind of just capitulated. He said, we were kind of backed up, and that place, and I quote, was loud as hell, and I couldn't hear anything. So shouts out to the bank. They're excited. Like we've said, the Ravens are, this is one of the most exciting teams we've had in a very long time, and you can tell that just from the home crowd. So just a shout out to all those guys. One thing I want to discuss quickly before we move on, Cliff Kingsbury, rookie head coach. It's, I mean, it was a six-point game. They decided to kick field goals in the following scenarios, and this is going to change, I think, as the <laughs> year goes along. Fourth and one from the Ravens' four, kicked a field goal. Fourth and goal from the Ravens' three, kicked a field goal. Fourth and goal from the Ravens' two, kicked a field goal. Yeah. Nine points, that's great. <laughs> Could have had 21, and this would have been a very different game. Yeah, two points on that. Great job by the Ravens' defense to kind of do the bend-not-break and when they got down to those situations, really come up big. Two, you're supposed to be Mr. Air Raid offense, go-for-it guy. Why in the world are you kicking field goals there? At least go for them in one of those situations. If I was a Cardinals fan, I would have been irate at some of yeah, those. Yeah, I appreciate his choice on Sunday <laughs> to not Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, but and that says something. All three of us were very happy with that decision every time yeah. it happened. Sure. Well, the math just suggests they would have made one of them. And then, <laughs> yeah, like you said, looking at a completely different game. So... Um, I I think it's probably just first-time head coach, but, yeah, I imagine we'll see them going for it more kind of in the future, probably. Let's move on now to the AFC North. Things are happening. Yeah. I mean, we're two no games in, but at this point, this is the we're in the best possible situation for the Ravens through two games in the AFC North. The Steelers lost the game, and they lost their quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Steelers lose at home against the Seattle Seahawks. They start out 0-2. What do we know about Mason Rudolph? How do we feel about him compared to Ben Roethlisberger? Obviously a drop-off. Rudolph looked okay in relief, but it's a lot easier certainly as the backup than it is when you come to start the following week. Yeah, I jotted his numbers down. 12-19, 112, 2-DDs, and a pick. Is fine. He had a good college career. I believe he leads pretty much every single passing category in the history of Oklahoma State. Um, he was, but he wasn't a first round pick. And yeah, I it's kind of stunning. I think you have to think that the Steelers are probably like a seven and nine team at best now at this point. And that's not even really including that they didn't look all that great these first two games with Ben Roethlisberger when he played and. Now he's, are they going to try? Are, are the Steelers going to tank and just get Tua and ruin well, our lives for I've the next fifteen years? I think they're. I, I think the Dolphins have Tua in the bag, but I definitely think Justin <laughs> Herbert, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, is a thing that's about to happen, and I'm very mad about it. But yeah, by the way, episode one isn't this? You're the one who willed this into uh, existence, Chase, by saying that. About you take you take full responsibility for this, by the way. <laughs> that they're just going to get another guy for the next twelve to fifteen years. Uh, I may have said if Ben Roethlisberger breaks down. Uh, you know, it could happen, and it's happened. So, yeah, we're facing it. It's reality. 
Um, I guess the only bigger question, because big picture, I guess small picture, this has to, the Steelers have to be done, right? There's, I don't see a path to a winning record for them this year. I do, just because it's Pittsburgh and it would be annoying. But, like, the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, so I don't know. I want to focus more on, do you guys think, and do you guys think this is the end for Ben That was going to be my other question. If it's not the end, it's the very beginning of the end. Because he'll never, he's 37 years old, he'll never be the same from this. And this is the elbow injury is what felled Terry Bradshaw many moons ago. Um, and now it, you're 37, you blow out your elbow. It seems hard to come back from that if you're an NFL quarterback. I, I would say no only because of the number of injuries that he's sustained throughout his career that he's come back from and, and been a lot of the times better than he was before. <laughs> I think, though, this is more of a case where he is just going to be tired, frankly. I think he True. could heal and come back the following season and probably still throw for 4,800 yards. <laughs> Beat us but once, at least. He has alluded to the fact a few different times well, that he was close to retiring. And that's why they. And this is going to be a long, a long season for him to sit and think about whether he wants to come and back and take more punishment. one of the reasons they drafted Mason Rudolph is because Roethlisberger has kept hinting retirement for, like, the past three years, and so they... Uh, drafted a QB, which made him mad at the time. But uh, a little bad luck for the Steelers. Um, they had traded their other backup quarterback this week to the Jaguars in advance of Roethlisberger's injury. So it looks like they're they're obviously going to be looking for another backup to sign here. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. I don't see how he'll ever be the same if he comes back from this one. Yeah, just real quickly, I'm looking at the Steelers' schedules, schedule now, and they, at New England, home to Seattle, is a pretty brutal way to start, especially when you have all six of your division's games after that. Outside of the division games, I'm looking at this and trying to think, how many of these have definitely turned where they are not favorites anymore, where I would expect them to win? Uh, I think this week, upcoming at San Francisco, after what they just did to Cincinnati, which we'll get to in a second— I could see them not being the favorites in that game. At the L.A. Chargers, Steelers Nation is going to travel. That's going to be a home game for them because nobody shows up for Chargers games anyway. But I think L.A. is good enough at that point that maybe that one would flip, where you would think that with Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh is probably, in my opinion, a better team than than the Chargers are. Indianapolis, a very, very good team. Brissett has done reasonably well so far for them. I think that's another game that... Probably the Steelers were favored. Not so much anymore. Um, I would even throw in after what I saw, and again, maybe it's just we didn't really show up to play, especially down the stretch, at Arizona, week 14. If Kyler Murray can kind of figure this out and maybe they get on a little bit of a roll, him and Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff starts going for it on fourth down inside the five, that might be another game. And then the other one uh, versus Buffalo, who knows? If Josh Allen keeps progressing, maybe they're just a tough out. Maybe. That's that's kind of a stretch there, obviously, those last two. But that could be five games there that we would expect Pittsburgh to win that now, at least sitting here week two, a lot of stuff can change, obviously. They're probably not favorites in anymore. Well, I just wanted to say, Tim, we're obviously uh, pseudo fans of the Buffalo Bills on this program. That's the absolutely 2-0 Buffalo Bills. <laughs> No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, my friend. So I want to jump in quickly. There, there was a statement from Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I believe either today, probably, yeah, today, 
uh, that he said, The Steelers committed three years to me this offseason, and I fully intend to honor my contract and reward them with championship-level play. He's saying for now he's still in. I think it's a lot easier to say that on day one than it is, you know, six, seven, eight months from now. So we'll see. For now, Roethlisberger plans to play. I would not be shocked if later on, maybe in the offseason, he, he, depending on how he comes back from the right. injury, maybe he you know, changes his mind on that. But we will have to see. Let's move on quickly to Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I, I had the quickest flip-flop I've ever had from one week to the next where I was sure the Ravens were going to sweep them to, oh, this is a split. I'm back on the sweep train. I'm back on the sweep train. <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati, way back to reality. They looked very poor against San Francisco. This was uh, they are who we thought they were kind of game, I think. Uh, Cincinnati gave up the most yards in the NFL last year. They were 32nd in yards per game allowed. And they gave up 572 yards to a, a San Francisco 49ers team that needed two pick sixes to fully put away Jameis Winston uh, last week. So, um, yeah, I think the Bengals might be bad, <laughs> at least on defense, certainly. Um, and, uh, and even the final spread, they scored on like the, their final play of the game. So it was, it was a real beatdown. Yeah, there was a, uh, a viral video going around Twitter of a... A very, very angry uh, Bengals fan. I don't know if you saw this. He was texting his buddy, and somebody caught it from behind him and basically, in so many words, is um, is done with Andy Dalton, who <laughs> threw for 311 yards. I'm not going to go into it because it was pretty, uh, pretty vile, but he was incredibly upset. <laughs> Look, I think this is the real Cincinnati team. Getting blown out at home to San Francisco is not a great look. That being said, I don't really have much to add from what you said, Jace. I still think that they're going to give us trouble. I think it's going to be one of those games where our offense is going to show up and they're going to play well against the bad defense, but Andy Dalton, for whatever reason, is going to just torch probably Brandon Carr, if I had to, if I had to make a guess there. That could be just my own biases. I, I still worry about Cincinnati a little bit, but I'm always the guy who says we're most likely going to split, go 3-3 three and three in the division. So that, take that with a grain of salt, I would say. The only point I will make to that is looking at these San Francisco rushing stats. Mm. They ran the ball 42 times for 259 yards. Matt Breida had 120 yards on 12 carries. Raheem Mostert, 83 yards on 13 carries. A lot of chunk plays. And, sure. and they and lost Joe Staley, their best offensive lineman, at some point during that game and still put up that rushing total. <laughs> yeah, Breida, Breida actually one of the two guys who had more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson last week. So, yeah, I think, again, look, I say it in a little bit of jest. I think the Ravens, when it comes to that time, are going to be able to control the clock, which is essentially just completely shutting down that offense, too, when you're just going to grind the ball with Lamar. Mark Ingram, who, another shout-out to him. I love that guy. <laughs> Even though he didn't have his best game against Arizona, just his running style and what sort of leadership it looks like he brings to the team when you hear the story about Lamar going to him after the game. Love that guy. Gus Bus, Justice, Justice, uh, Hill, Justice Hill as well, excuse me. Um, I think that we're going to be able to handle that. And, and having such a bad run defense does not spell, uh, spell well when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens. No. Last team in the AFC North who we haven't seen play a second game yet. The Browns playing right now, <laughs> uh, facing the Trevor Simeon and the New York Jets. We are dying to see how this game plays out. We wouldn't mind three teams in the AFC North at 0-2 and the Ravens at 2-0. Guys, any thoughts on the on the Browns without much having changed from last week? Yeah, I just want to say um, 
Odell Beckham Jr. apparently is wearing another expensive watch. Again, this is just all uh, an unsubstantiated report on Twitter. This one is confirmed on Twitter by multiple reports. This I'm looking right now at Sports Illustrated. Odell Beckham also was wearing a rainbow-colored visor. He had to come out of the game because he couldn't see, and now he's got a clear visor on and everything is okay for OBJ. So that that's fun. Uh, we'll see. We can't really talk about the game because it'll be dated as soon as this episode goes up. But, yeah, let's hope for a little Trevor Simeon magic. That'd be great. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Trevor Simeon's got that much magic left. <laughs> <laughs> we all watched him play at the Broncos. But, uh, yeah, I hope it goes well for him. <laughs> 13 and 11 as a starter. I certainly hope. Go, Trevor, go. 14 and 11 becomes his, his new All record. All I hear is that's a winner. <laughs> Let's move on to the rest of the NFL. Who impressed us this week? Who let us down? Some strange games, some injuries. Who wants to take this one? Let's start with the Ravens' week one opponent, the Miami Dolphins. Um, they notably played the New England Patriots, who got Antonio Brown in the fold. But I think the story is more what happened on the other sideline, which is the Miami Dolphins, who have now been outscored 102 to 10 in two games this season. They seem set to put up the single worst season potentially in NFL history that I had just forgotten until the other day ends with the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So that'll be fun if they go 0-16 and, and host the Super Bowl. Big fan. Man. <laughs> Yeah, God, the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to be historically bad, right? Like zero and sixteen. Can I just? Can we do something to Mercury Morris if the Dolphins go zero and sixteen? <laughs> He's not allowed to celebrate anymore. <laughs> like he can't celebrate the seventeen and zero, or like they take him out to to uh, the half the halfway line and they have to pour champagne on him rather than him like drinking champagne. <laughs> not nothing, nothing vile, but just just a little like, hey, yeah, you keep bragging about this this perfect team. Look at them now. They are god-awful. I, I think, think you should have to play. I think you should have to play a few games to <laughs> try to break the 0-16. He suits up Week 17 just to try and break it. They're 0-15. Here comes Mercury Morris to save the day. Uh, yeah, I did, you're completely right. I will say, too, just on that other side, in, ter- in terms of impressive, and it pains me to say... New England is so good. Yeah, well, yeah, just... they've likewise given up three points this season. Um, yeah, and, and specifically, scored. I would say their defense. Their defense is incredible to match Brady and all of his weapons now on the offensive side. It could be a year where the defense carries them to a championship. It, which again, on the Ravens podcast, people, I know people like, are. Oh, he's there now. Like when Michael Bennett came up with a sack yesterday, you're like, oh. And then like Jamie Collins had a pick six, and you're like, well, he's just back on the Pats. <laughs> like it's it's unfair. <laughs> yep. A lot of talks about them going sixteen and zero. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I think they have a couple of games in their schedule that are going to slow them down. Mainly the Ravens game uh, midseason. The Miami Dolphins. I just wanted to say quickly. I don't. I mean, I we get it. They're tanking. I don't really get how they're doing it. Fitzpatrick and Rosen have now both played in both games. So I. Does that mean they're trying to win games? Does that mean they're trying to get a look from both quarterbacks? Why isn't Rosen just starting? And they keep he's coming he, into the games. Why not just start and see what he does over sixty minutes? Yeah, and they keep putting him into positions that are untenable and like stuff that he's he's already in a blowout. The team is the morale is already completely lost, <laughs> yeah. and, and and it's I don't know why a young guy like that that is just a terrible situation to bring a guy in. Also talking about another Fitzpatrick on that team, a guy we should mention. Along, I make the joke about Jalen Ramsey. 
uh, time of recording. He has requested a trade after his blow-up with Doug Marone on the sidelines this weekend. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, the cornerback from uh, the Miami Dolphins, has also requested a trade. And Jason Lockenfora is reporting, so looks like it's going to happen on Tuesday, that a trade will likely be wrapped up by Tuesday. Dolphins expect to get a first-round pick for him. Hearing uh, Washington, Dallas, KC, Pittsburgh, Philly, and Seattle are all in the mix. Even with that being said, Jason, let me throw it to you first, my friend. Would you like the Ravens to throw themselves in that mix? If it if it meant a first rounder and more, mm. no, <laughs> I don't okay. think so. Um, just first round picks are very valuable, and Minka Fitzpatrick's certainly good. But you know, I get why he probably personally wouldn't want to be here. But it's probably a bad thing where the Dolphins are like, yeah, we could trade this guy who we just picked like seventeenth overall two years ago or something like. And I guess also after just watching the Ravens offense torch the Miami secondary, I am slightly concerned. <laughs> sure. And having a guy like that who after two weeks now wants out right. after he's only been there for a full season before that is, is kind of concerning. Um, to get back and getting off track here, guys that impressed me, another one I hate to say, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, boy. Just needed a quarter to throw four touchdowns and effectively end that game. That was terrifying, so we'll see what happens on Sunday, and we'll get to that preview a little bit later. And just another shout-out for a team that, and we don't have to get into it because I know I'm going to get scolded for this, team that I have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for, the Dallas Cowboys again, showed up. Dak Prescott, this is a classic I'm playing for that contract. And as a Baltimore Ravens fan, let me tell you, you're going to pay him, and then it's going to be medi- mediocrity for the next couple of years. So enjoy that. But da- but in all seriousness, Dak's been great. 26 for 30, 269 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Zeke Elliott, 23 carries and 111 yards for another touchdown. Uh, looks like Michael Gallup, one of the receivers that's really shown up this year, he's going to be out for about two weeks uh, with an injury, so that's kind of a loss for them. But Dallas, looking like, especially with the injuries to Philadelphia – and that loss that they suffered on Sunday night, looking like clear favorites in the NFC East. Uh, yeah, the Space. Cowboys look great, and I think coupled that, they this could be the year they make some hay because uh, the other just disappointment I want to get into, um, Drew Brees, thumb injury out, I believe six to eight weeks, Antonio, was the report. Um, I'm seeing six, yeah. It stinks. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater is about as good as a backup as you'll find in the NFL, but it... Drew Brees is one of the greatest players in NFL history at the quarterback position, and to just not have him, it I think significantly lowers the ceiling and really makes just wide open in the NFC and a lot of certainly the NFC South, which I don't know what to make of that division at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it changes things for sure. You know, another reason that the NFC is wide open: the Bears aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically called it specifically the offense for the Bears not that good very strange game against the Broncos <laughs> that that was about as Joe Flacco of a game as there could have possibly been showing very little the whole game I think he had an interception oh, it, like inside the, the 10 yard line on fourth down inside the 10 with like 5 minutes to go <laughs> still gets the ball back and scores a touchdown, and they go for two, that classic Flacco magic, well, can we, and they still end up can losing. Can we take a 20 seconds to describe how they got to two? Did you watch this unfold? Delay it, go, go, it, for, go it. for it. They, Vic Fangio, new Broncos coach, we're going for the win. Delay of game. 
<laughs> so then they have to move the kick back. And since now, you know, delay of game, five-yard penalty, it would have been about a, from the seven-yard line to convert the two-point. He says, okay, we'll kick it. Shank. Bears offside, which somehow negates the whole thing and puts the ball back at, like, the one, if you're the two, if you want to go for the two-point. So then they go for the two-point, get it, to put them up a whole 14-13 right at the end of the game. <laughs> uh but yeah, Flacco, multiple fourth down conversions on that final drive. Very wild to watch. And yet, and yet, the Bears won the game. I, yeah, I will simply say, you look at the stat line, and this is one of those ones that I've, I've seen enough times to know that it wasn't a good game. 35 for 50, throwing the ball 50 times. Joseph, I love Joe Flacco. Absolutely love him, but simply... At the moment, I don't miss him. That average really, was really one. It was under six yards, I think. It was like 5.8. 5. 5. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we should also say the Bears did win the game on a 50-yard field goal. Um, that came as a result of a crazy roughing the passer penalty and a Mitch Trubisky pass also on fourth down that they somehow almost, I don't want to say a phantom timeout, but it seems impossible. They completed the pass and the guy went down with what seemed to be one second left and they got granted the timeout. I think the clock should have run out. Everyone I was working with thought the clock should have run out. But they got the timeout, and Eddie Pinheiro nailed the 50-yard field goal. Wild game. Yeah, nice for the Bears who suffered the double doink, which <laughs> being being somebody who suffered the wrath, the wrath of Billy Cundiff, I can understand oh. how much that hurts. Sorry, sorry, guys, sorry. Um, so feel good for Chicago fans that they do have a kicker. But, yeah, I an incredibly mediocre performance. Yeah, I can't say I was impressed with the Bears for winning that game. <laughs> I think the Broncos might be real bad. That's the takeaway. <laughs> They've put up 16 and 14 points with uh, Joe Flacco. And like Tim said, I like Joe Flacco. I have his jersey, but it was time. And I think it's clear the Ravens made a very right decision with Lamar Jackson's play so far this season. When I went to Miami for week one, I brought the Joe Flacco jersey because at the moment it's the only Ravens jersey I own. Yeah. Did I wear it? Did I wear it to the game? No. This this might be a segment, and this is in future uh, when we maybe maybe the bye week is a good idea here. Which Ravens jersey should you buy? Ooh, I have gone back and forth. I, am, I agree I'm with you 100. That's because my two jerseys were Terrell Suggs and Joe Flacco, and they are not on the team yep. anymore. <laughs> Suggs, Reed, and Mosley, and that's all. So yeah, time for a new one. We'll hold that for the bye week. Maybe by then it'll be the clearest picture yet of who is the best Raven and the most important Raven. Let's move on now to a little section, a segment that we like to call What's Bothering Jace? So if you're a first-time listener, Jace Evans, (laughs) world-renowned for going on rants about various topics relating to the Ravens, the NFL, other things of interest... So we're going to give him a few minutes on every episode. Maybe sometimes Tim will take it. Maybe I'll take it sometimes. But it's going to be Jace most of the time. Riffing for a few minutes on what's really irritating him <laughs> that particular week. So, Jace, I ask you once again, what's bothering Jace? The Saints and their fans. These people, Antonio. You know, yesterday Cameron Jordan gets a what appeared to be a strip sack fumble of Jared Goff and returned it. Over 80 yards for a touchdown. Russ called incomplete pass. Was, in fact, a turnover. Makes a dead ball. Still, Saints got the ball. You know what it was? A bad call. But now, I'm going to have to hear about 
these fans just go on and on and on about how the NFL hates us. And look, the conspiracy theories, like, because of Bounty Gate, they want us to lose. No. You know why these happen? Because all NFL refs are bad. And you people complain so much about the pass interference penalty that wasn't that now we just have interminable reviews in the NFL. I don't know if you saw yesterday, our boy Stefan Diggs had a touchdown overturned for offensive pass interference that came automatically via a touchdown review because of all scoring plays are automatically reviewed. That's a thing that happens now that you can get. So you're blaming you're blaming the Saints for the new pass interference and the, rules. And their fans, they wouldn't. Just, not the Rams, but the Saints. No, it's the Saints because they would not stop talking about it. The Rams can't help that they're just a better football team who won both games. Antonio. That's the thing. But no, we just have to hear about the Foot Locker refs, as Cameron Jordan called them, and every it will just will never end. And we'll just hear about how. It wasn't their fault they blew the NFC title game. It was the refs' fault, and I can't stand them, and that is what I am angry, uh, what has bothered me this week. That's the best one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love when you when you start with the, I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> so, congratulations. I can't wait yeah, for that, more that what's bothering Jason in the I, future. I had real, some real anger in my heart over this one. <laughs> Final score of that Saints-Rams game on Sunday, 27-9. to 9. Uh, Saints did not score yeah, a touchdown. Yeah, they lost because Drew Brees yet, got hurt. They didn't lose because right. Cameron Jordan had a fumble overturn. They couldn't stop Jared Goff in right. the second half. And ran. <laughs> that was What's Bothering Jace. And we'll be back next week when I'm sure something else will be bothering Jace. All right. Let's move on now to a little segment we call Random Ravens. Each week, a different host is going to pick an obscure random <laughs> raven from the past, offer the other co-hosts clues and the listener as well, clues on who this player is. We have to try to guess it. We'll hold the answer until the end of the show to give the listener and probably the other two hosts Mm -hmm. time to think about who this person is. This week is Jace. Tim and I went the first two weeks. Uh, I went with Owen Daniels in week one, and Tim, BJ Sams in week two. Two great start, and now it's Jace's turn this week. Jace, who's your, uh, who's your so random I worry this isn't hard enough for you two, but um, I think it'll kiss be... Death, it's it's the a way. personal favorite, and I think the fans will get a kick out of this. Um, this player spent three years with the Ravens. He led the team in touchdown receptions in 2013, but never scored in the NFL again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what? Oh, no. So he was the Ravens' leading touchdown pass uh, catcher in 2013 spent three years with the team never scored again after 2013 that's it? that's the <laughs> yeah, I can't be too more specific because I think it'll <laughs> reveal who it is I, I, oh I think I, I, have, I may have okay I just want to I do want to say real quick and as, a, as an aside thanks to everybody who got in touch whether it was on Twitter text message social media um, of any kind. We always appreciate the feedback. I had a lot of people come to me and say, I was all over that BJ Sam's pick, right? <laughs> totally forgot about that guy. What a random Raven. So I, I, I think that the, the listeners obviously enjoy the segment and we always appreciate feedback on stuff like that. Um, and if you have any suggestions, listen, I'm all ears because 
we plan to do this podcast for a while. We're going to run out of ideas, <laughs> yeah. just admittedly. So if you have any random Ravens that you love, if you have clues that you want us to use, I mean, we can always make those up on our own as well. Any suggestions for random Ravens, too, would, would be absolutely fantastic. All right, I want to keep thinking about who this is. I have a guess, but that seems too obvious, so i got to start thinking of some of the other positions on the Ravens' offense. 2013, I have no memory of yeah, how that team did. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I hesitate to say one of their most memorable uh, moments because I think it would reveal who this guy is. Um, but, yeah, a very forgettable season. Perhaps the most forgettable season in recent Ravens history. We'll save the reveal for that to the end of the show. So let's move on now to the terrifying game preview against the Kansas City Chiefs. Dun, dun, dun! On the road, in Arrowhead. First real test of the season for this team. The thing that stood out to me, and we talked about it at the top, the defensive lapses, specifically (laughs) in the secondary, that's not going to work against Kansas City. Even a good performance is probably not going to work against Kansas City. You have to have your best game how do we feel about week three against Kansas City? I think something we should mention, too. The Ravens played them incredibly tough last year in Arrowhead. A 27-24 overtime loss. Um, oh, no, excuse me. It didn't go to overtime. Uh, yeah, Don't know why. It was an overtime game. It did? Okay. All right. Yeah, apologies. I tried to burn it from my memory. Um, with Patrick Mahomes having that like yeah. 50-yard no-look yeah, pass. cross-body pass to Tyreek Hill, who will not play, yeah. which I guess is of note, but... Also, they that doesn't have it. It doesn't matter. They just have wide receivers come out of the woodwork well, and, and show it, up under Andy Reid. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Antonio's question: How I feeling is, or how I am feeling is terrified um, because yeah, they have not missed Tyreek Hill for a second, and that's because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. I um, I think he's kind of taken the mantle where Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers once stood. He has 821 yards and seven touchdowns while passing over 70%. He's on pace for, like I read last night, 6,500 yards, which would shatter the record by over (laughs) 1,000. I obviously don't think he'll maintain that, but he is in a zone right now. He's not throwing an interception, and he's only been sacked two times. Um, So, yes, to put it succinctly, my entire concern with this game is on Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs defense, not that great, but... Patrick Mahomes is just, I think, on another level than any quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. You know, you do the one word and you're terrified. I'm excited. I think this is, <laughs> yeah, I know, Optimist Tim over here, which is not something you're going to hear a lot. Ravens 2-0, and baby. Yeah, yeah, 2-0 Ravens. I'm feeling great about Lamar Jackson and the offense, like I mentioned before. I'm excited to see this team, even though you mentioned, Jace, the Chiefs defense isn't that great. It's certainly going to be better than I think what we saw out of definitely the Dolphins and maybe Arizona as well. This is a real test for the Baltimore Ravens. This is another one where they're going to have a chance. They've heard it. They hear this crap all the time. Okay, yeah, Lamar's great, but he only beat the Dolphins, who are historically bad. He only beat a rookie quarterback in the worst team in the league last year. I think this is a chance for them to really show up. I'm not saying they're going to go out and blow up the Chiefs, because guess what? They're not. I don't, and we'll get to it in a second. I don't expect them to win this game. But what I want to see, and obviously going to be rooting for that, and will be incredibly disappointed if they don't. But I want to see if they can keep pace with one of the better football teams, if not the best football team in the league, maybe outside of New England, who I think is the perennial number one at the moment. And if they can keep pace with them, I think that shows incredible signs for the rest of the season. And honestly. 
outside of the aforementioned Patriots doesn't really it would show me that I shouldn't be scared about anybody else we face going forward. I think the formula for this game is going to be ball control. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Ravens, then their two wins so far, have held on to the ball for 40 minutes against Miami and 37 minutes, I think I have that right, 37 or 38 minutes against the Cardinals. I'm looking at the Chiefs' two box scores against Jacksonville and Oakland, two games that they had comfortable leads in, granted. Oakland ran the ball for 129 yards, averaged 6.8 yards a carry. Jacksonville, in their game averaged they didn't run it a ton because they were down a lot but averaged five yards a carry those are the kind of numbers that the Ravens need early in this game if they can do that early and get those five yards those six yard runs hang on to the ball limit the possessions for Mahomes and then that that little deep throw that you don't really (laughs) see coming to Marquise I've called him Hollywood Marquise and Brown on this show by the way that's all the same player for for the <laughs> listeners out there who aren't as familiar with it. I mean we could just go Hollywood Mar- Marquise Hollywood Brown the first yeah I, that's gonna be the formula I, I think if they can hang on to the ball for 35 to 40 minutes I think they have a chance because we've seen the offense get yards score points and that's really I think that's the only way that they're gonna get it done you mentioned the running backs this is the test for the offensive line that we've been talking about in week one. We excoriated them uh, about how this, I I said on this show, this could be the unit that makes or breaks the Ravens' season and ruins the Ravens' season. They have been good so far. They were not that great in the run game against Arizona, and that has to change against Kansas City if you want to stay in this game. It cannot just be Lamar dropping back and scrambling out to his left for 8, 10 yards. That works, and that's, a, that's another weapon that we have in our arsenal in this offense. But you have to be able to establish the run with those three running backs. Uh, and it's going to come down to your front five up there and, and definitely uh, multiple tight end sets. I'm, I'm expecting a lot of Nick Boyle, who is one of the preeminent run blockers in terms of the tight ends. Uh, that has to be established early and often in this game if the Ravens, like I said before, want to show that they can compete with the NFL's elite. I completely agree with you guys. Yeah, the key is just to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands because I – and I think they could make some plays on him, but I no one has this point. And we are a step up in competition from uh, who they the Chiefs have faced so far. Um, but it will be a great test for the Ravens. It's the home opener at Arrowhead. Last time the Chiefs played there, they lost a disappointing AFC title game, so they're going to be probably fired up for that, which will make it tough. Um but yeah, just keeping the ball in Mahomes' hands as much as possible because I don't. I think he's at a level where you can't really limit him all that much. Even with Tyreek Hill out of this game, the weapons for Kansas City seemingly all over the field. Demarcus Robinson, I'll be honest, I didn't know who he was two weeks ago. He had six catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns against Oakland. Travis Kelsey, he's going to be a headache. I don't feel as, I'm not as worried about Kelsey for some reason. I like our linebackers being able to stay with him. I say that now, and then he'll probably have 100 yards uh, in the first half. Yeah, I was going to say. Sammy Watkins, sort of that forgotten you know, p- potential superstar, has showed up in two games so far for Kansas City. And then LaShawn McCoy, the guy who has was signed late, hasn't done too, too much. He's the one guy I'm also not too concerned about. I'm not, I'm not worried about the run game either. You know, I think it's going to be one of those things where our guys up front are going to be able to shut them down, and it's going to and it's going to come to these like third and eights, 
and you've got to get him in third and long. You have to contain Mahomes. Don't let him get outside the pocket. Get pressure up in his face as well. And, and, and you know, for lack of a better term, fluster him more than what he's faced so far. And if the Ravens can do that, there's a shot there. That being said, don't give you cannot give him that much time. Because if you do, they're going to find that deep ball. And guess what? As we mentioned before, and I hate to bring it up again, Brandon Carr is not going to be able to stay with these guys for three, four, five seconds. Let's get to the pick itself. Kansas City, currently six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. How do you guys feel about that pick? I mean... To be, I'll be completely honest. I, I forgot that this was their home opener until Jace mentioned something. Arrowhead is going to be fired up for this game, especially the last time with that incredible disappointment of losing the AFC Championship game. I think Baltimore will show that they mean business in this game. I think that they will prove that they are not just a team that's beaten up on the little guys, that this offense is a problem for teams, and that the defense can do enough to keep the offense in the game. All of that being said, Kansas City's a lock minus six and a half, I think. I don't think this is I, I think I don't think it's much more than that. I think it's a seven to ten point game. Um, I just don't think we're at that level quite yet. If this if this was later in the season maybe, or if Jimmy Smith was back and we had a competent corner on the other side of Marlon Humphrey, maybe this is a different story. But uh, for me, I'm going Kansas City minus six and a half. Competitive game from the Ravens, but just not enough and the first blemish on the uh, record this season. I'm with, I'm with you, Tim. I think it'll be like Mahomes touchdown, three minutes to go or something, break a tie game, something like that. Uh, I think they'll hang with them. They should be able to. I, th- I mean, they showed they could last year with, I think, a definitely more limited Lamar Jackson, and that was one of his better games. And I think he should have enough to keep the Ravens in this game. But, yeah, Chiefs at Arrowhead, home opener. I think they're really good. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best QB in the NFL, and I think they will beat the Ravens this week. Yeah, that game last year is the one thing that's making me hesitate is that Lamar Jackson handled Kansas City pretty well when he was extremely limited and the offense was worse than it is now. With that being said, (laughs) classic caveat, (laughs) the Ravens have won two games against very, very, well, I'll say one very bad competition. They did not impress me enough at home against Arizona to sort of, I I like to get a little splashy with the Ravens. I I would say the optimist of the three of us when it comes to the Ravens. For sure. I, I hesitated. Even this, I hesitated. But six and a half, it's less than a touchdown. There's too many big plays coming from Kansas City, and I'm not convinced that our secondary is going to be able to handle all those weapons. I I wonder if this is going to be a shootout. The over-under for this is 54.5, which is high but not crazy. Could very easily see like a 35-27 game, which would which would go way over. But I'm going to have to pick Kansas City. I, I hate to do it. I'm picking Kansas City minus 6.5. Let's get to some of our uh, our other picks that we have. Uh, I can I can take my uh, my other games that I liked. I was more confident about this pick that I have until I heard about Jalen Ramsey uh, ready to leave Jacksonville. They are currently getting one and a half points at home against Tennessee. That's all I really needed to hear. I I don't understand <laughs> how Tennessee can be a road favorite really against most te- most teams. Not concerned with Mariota, not concerned with Tennessee. I think Jacksonville, I think this is uh, 
Was it G. Minshew? Gardner Minshew. Gardner maybe. Minshew. Absolutely. <laughs> a home dog and Gardner Minshew. Sign me up. Let's he, go. He looked. He, the, he struggled a little bit against Houston. Houston. I saw some stuff I liked late in that game. I think they scored 20 points, and that's enough. And, and, and they win this game. Not only do they cover, I love Jacksonville getting a point and a half. And then this is another game that I think uh, all of us are going to have, but... Rams minus three against the Browns. I don't care if they're playing on the road, at home, on the moon, in space. <laughs> the Browns, and we, and we haven't seen them play week two, and that's sort of, that could hurt this pick or help this pick, but Rams went to the Super Bowl last year. They're only giving three points to the Cleveland Browns. Give me all of that from the Los yeah. Angeles Rams. I'm 100% with you. I do not understand this. The Rams are, I think, no matter how you feel about Jared Goff, maybe, there's no way to look at the Rams and think they're not one of the five best teams in the NFL. They were last year. They seem like they still are this year. They're undefeated. Handled the Saints at home. And, yeah, minus three. I don't see how that doesn't happen based off of what we saw from the Browns in week one. Now my last pick, Seattle. At home, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Teddy Bridgewater New Orleans Saints. He doesn't scare me. He got nine points, and I think he was only responsible for six of the points against the Rams. I don't see New Orleans scoring enough points in that game to hang with Seattle, especially in Seattle. Love them with only four-and-a-half points. Yeah, just a note on the L.A. Rams game. We were talking about you know th- um, three-point favorites away to Cleveland. I'm going to turn the Ravens, the counter-argument for the Ravens on its head a bit. Time of recording again. We don't know what the result is. But I don't care what they do against the Jets. The Trevor Simeon-led Jets because Sam Darnold's having too much fun in the nightclubs in New York City. I, I don't care. The L.A. Rams, and I went against them last week, and then Drew Brees got hurt, and that obviously screwed that pick up. I don't see any way. It doesn't matter if they drop 70 points on New York tonight. I think the L.A. Rams are criminally underrated. They're going to see that. They're going to use that as motivation. Um, you know, the whole story, because it's the Monday night game, if the Browns win this, the whole story would be like, oh, the Browns are back. They are who we thought they were now. They have all this offensive talent, and, and the defense is doing okay, and yada, yada, yada. L.A. is going to go in there a little disrespected being the NFC champion, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to blow them out, but they're definitely going to beat them by more than three. So I'm on that pick as well. My other pick, too, two teams that really didn't impress. Um, The Chargers actually ended up losing to the Detroit Lions. And then Houston, as you talked about before, a narrow win over Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. Uh, This game, Houston is away, and they are getting three points. L.A., the L.A. Chargers, at home, which is never a home game for the L.A. Chargers, are three-point favorites. Give me Houston and the points plus three. Uh, the Texans. I'm I'm kind of on. I'm getting more on board with the Texans. Uh, I know Antonio in episode one, huge fan of them and the over unders this year. I love them being the underdogs and getting those points. And what will probably be a close game, uh, but I just think Houston's a better team. My final pick because I had the Rams as well. Um, Colts minus two point five against the Falcons. I was not super impressed by the Falcons managing to almost blow that game last night, needing an incredible play by Julio Jones, who else, um, to kind of get the win. Um, So 
And the Colts, it's their home opener. They've been on the road so far, and just two split wins. I guess this is a decent time to mention Adam Vinatieri. Looks like potentially could be retiring. He kind of made mention of, you'll be hearing from me sometime this week. Um, He missed three more kicks yesterday. Um, And it's a bummer. He's the oldest player in the NFL and uh, probably the greatest kicker of all time in the NFL's all-time leading scorer. It sounds like he might be out the door soon. But kicking issues aside, I like the Colts' chances to win their home opener. I think they've looked pretty good under with Jacoby Brissett under center. They can run the ball. And I'm picking them to beat the Falcons because I have not been impressed with Atlanta. So we all are will be rooting for the Ravens on Sunday, but do not love them as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. Let's wrap this up. We have one thing left to resolve, and that is Jace's random Ravens. Jace, are you sure you don't have any other uh, hints to give us? I have a guess that I think is wrong. I guess I also thought BJ Sams was wrong. Yeah. Um, so I'll say now he had a game-winning touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings in a game in 2013. Oh, oh, man, that really helps. Wow. Oh, crap. Oh, no. So I have it. With that, I th- why well, I say that, I have it. I think I have it. I think I have it. And it was funny because I had a different guy, but he was too many years ago. So I have a name. Tim's Tim's getting there. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm right, actually. Yeah. There's no confidence in any of these picks whatsoever. Oh, I, I like it, it's it's sitting there, and I can <laughs> I can hear the people listening to this screaming the name, and I can't think of I can see him, and I cannot think of who this is. Oh no! You, go ahead, Antonio. Go ahead. Oh man, this is a I I'm like upset that we made this a segment because we have to just. <laughs> Bear our souls. Uh, I'm going to say it's the Dennis Pitta. Uh, so it's, close. Yeah, it's not Dennis Pitta. It's not Dennis Pitta. He did catch a TD in that game, though. <laughs> That's why. If it's who I thought it was, I'm going to be even... At the beginning, I'm going to be angry, but... Tim? Okay, I'm just going to say my original pick. This isn't right. It's the other It's the other tight end who was drafted in the draft with Pitta. I'm going to say Ed Dixon. It's not a Dixon. Are you guys ready for the answer? It's a, it's a, is it a receiver with dreadlocks? Yep. Am I? It is a receiver. Okay, I'm crazy. Oh, the Maryland grad. No. Oh, no. Too, too mainstream. You ready for it? No, not Torrey Smith. I was thinking another another guy whose name I can't remember, but yes. This is going to be infuriating. The week, episode three, Random Raven. Jace, who is it? Marlon Brown, though! Marlon Brown! Yeah! Yeah, Marlon Brown, I believe, is the is a Maryland grad. No, he went to Georgia, I think. I think Tim's oh, right. I'm thinking I of up, yeah, last night. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. But yeah, Marlon, Marlon Brown, Brown led the team in touchdown receptions in 2013 and never had a TD catch again, which I was stunned to find out this week. Marlon Brown, though. that was that was disappointing. That was I'm, one, that I'm was upset. One I think we should have gotten. I'm upset by that. I'm just gonna put another thing out there, Jace. Five clues minimum. Five clues. Oh, that, that, well, that three I thought really you guys would get me. it because I was like, I was like, is that that's just too recently? We talked about Marlon Brown, I'm sure, on a previous iteration of the show. Um, but yeah, Marlon Brown, my personal favorite random Raven. Yeah, he was what you called on Ravens wrap up, kind of a cult hero. We <laughs> loved we loved us some Marlon Brown back in the day. That's a really good one. Um, if you got that right, let us know. If if you thought it was somebody else, let us know. And and again. 
Any suggestions you have for random Ravens or segments you like, don't like, all that fun stuff. We're on Instagram at Pod Like a Raven, Twitter at Pod Like a Raven, or you can just reach out to us on Gmail, podlikearaven at gmail.com if you want to do it that way. Any sort of feedback you have, questions you have um, that you'd like us to answer on the show, we are open uh, to any of those. And, and please, please send us your random Ravens because I want to hear. Yes, I want to hear what some people remember specifically about past Raven seasons and players they remember that I just completely forgot about. So that's going to do it, I think, for us. Episode three in the books. Cannot wait for that Chiefs game. Cannot wait for that Chiefs game in Arrowhead. Go Ravens. Four, pod like a Raven. Tim Horsey, Jace Evans, Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals no matter how complex they may be real wealth requires real solutions for more information connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com that's c-o-r-i-e-n-t.com corient.com when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply